Hey, are you or someone you care about considering, dealing with, or being through a divorce or separation? Well, you're in the right place. You don't have to do this alone. There are people who care and want to help. Hi, I'm Dina Court, an author, blogger, publisher, and empowerment coach. Thanks for joining me on the Divorce Magazine Canada podcast. You are going to hear from our team of experts and professionals how to navigate this difficult transition in your life easier, more efficiently, and with better outcomes. Did you know we host online divorce resource groups that are free to attend and everyone is welcome? Check out the links in our show notes and be sure and join us. We love bringing experts to you. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, divorcemagazinecanada.com and stay tuned at the end for the legal language. Ready? Here we go. In this bonus episode, my personal coach is going to be joining me on the show and asking the questions that you've been wondering about, like, who the heck am I? Why am I doing this? And what's the whole purpose behind it? What's my story? She's going to get all the details on that and you will be able to understand a little bit more about where I'm coming from and why I care so much. Caroline Garnett McGraw is my personal coach and has been for several months now. She's the author of the book, You Don't Owe Anyone. I highly recommend it. I've given it to several people as gifts and I've actually reread it myself two or three times and always get more wisdom out of it. She's an amazing lady and she offered very generously to interview me so that you can get to know me better on my show. Ready to find it all out? Let's get started. This is an exciting switch. I get to be a guest on my very own podcast and you get to meet this fabulous woman, Caroline Garnett McGraw, who is very special to me. She has been my personal coach for several months now and I'd have to say she knows me better than a lot of people know me. And she offered to introduce me to you via an interview on my podcast. So she is going to be playing the role of host, interviewing me so that you can get to know me a little bit better. My why, the story behind Divorce Magazine and the podcast as well. Welcome to the show, Caroline. Thank you for hosting. Thank you for doing this for me. Oh, Dina, you are very, very welcome. I'm glad to be here. Welcome to your own show. And I'm <laughs> delighted to get to interview you today. This is going to be fun. So for everyone who hasn't had the privilege and the fun of meeting Dina yet, she is an author and a speaker. Dina Court uses her own experiences of domestic abuse, divorce, and debilitating challenges to support others in that difficult space. Through her books, through her speaking, she encourages women to know that they are not alone and she empowers them to never give up. As the owner of Divorce Magazine Canada, Dina connects people with local resources to help them navigate this major transition. So Dina, you've already accomplished a lot in this space. And I'm wondering, would you be willing to share part of your story? Tell us, why are you passionate about helping women going through divorce from abusive marriages. What was your experience like? Thank you, Caroline, for offering that opportunity. It's not a story that I thought I would revisit or share. At the time that I finally realized 
what was happening in a marriage that had lasted 30 years and got out of that, I just wanted to put it behind me. And I'm finding that that is very common, especially for people who have experienced domestic abuse like I had. You are sitting in a space during all those years that feels very uncomfortable. And you start questioning your own sanity, questioning your own reality, and comparing. And I think that's what locks a lot of women in and makes them feel alone, is that you compare what you're experiencing to some stories of violence and abuse that just to you feel far more damaging and far more severe. And that is the myth that I am trying to bust. That is what is propelling me forward. I felt like I'd been resilient. I felt like I'd been strong, that I had done everything I possibly could. And yet kept uncovering more and more levels of pain and grief and and damage and pro- and conditioning or programming that had been part of that survival mode that I was in. And it was through the vulnerable sharing of other people of what they'd experienced that finally helped me to acknowledge and accept what I was in and that that was not safe. It wasn't healthy for me, mm-hmm. for the example I was setting for my children. And it was very important that I follow my instincts to leave that and just, you know, celebrate and, and understand that I had given every possible opportunity to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd come also from a very religious background and that really added to that feeling of failure and shame and guilt that I didn't make it happen, that I couldn't, that I just couldn't stay in this and had never, ever envisioned being someone who was divorced. Mm -hmm. There was a stigma attached to that. There was a lot of shame. And, you know, I think that word really sums it up the best. And that's what I've found is so many women that I've encountered have been in that space and they struggle to question themselves over and over and over you know is this really abuse or can I make it work Um, how did I let it get this bad why am I why did I am I staying Uh, really trying to deal with all those questions so then they tentatively reach out and ask somebody else about that and and they're faced very often with the same questions that they've been struggling with And it sends them right back into it thinking, well, I'm in it. I doubt it. Other Mm -hmm. people doubt my story and my truth. And so then they they end up back and it's very common. It can take seven to maybe even up 12 or or upwards times that they will try and leave and try and get to a healthy, safer space. And it's it's a struggle. So what I want to do is be there to support, be there to help create a culture of compassion and understanding and acceptance that even people who haven't experienced it will openly help support those who are trying to get out because every time they go back, it's very common that they expect and they um, experience an ex- escalation mm-hmm. in the abuse. Mm-hmm. And, yes. 
and more doubt in themselves. And they're even more beaten down, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. And I think that's just, it's so sad. And as much as I wanted to leave that behind and just, you know, charge forward, create a new life, I, I just realized some good needed to be made of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted others to know they aren't alone, like I had felt and really questioning. Well, first and foremost, thank you for your courage. It is not easy to share the hardest things that have happened to you and to do that in service to others. It's a powerful thing. And I want to spotlight some things that you said to make sure I'm understanding correctly and that listeners are getting this too. So first of all, you had said it takes between seven or more, seven or even 12 times of attempting to leave an abusive relationship before you actually leave. So does that mean it's actually quite normal to go back and forth? It doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean you're never going to leave. It just means that's actually a normal part of the process. Sadly, it can be. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's it's very common. And mm-hmm. it's because they haven't found the support that they need when they leave, whether that is encouragement or the actual support logistically to mm-hmm. figure out where to live, where to be safe, how to manage finances, uh, their children's arrangements, even their pets. And there are organizations that help with all of that because mm-hmm. much of that is threatened for yes. them or when they want to leave. And so it's incredible if they can make that plan with some support and be able to successfully leave the first time and and get to a place of safety because what it does is it not only does it escalate when they return but it drags out the the time and the process for them to begin a, a new safe happier life i'm really glad you spotlighted that that the support is what makes the difference and as you did say before that there is an increased risk every time that you're going back. So all the more reason to access the supports to build in whatever that you can that first time that you are stepping away. The other piece that I wanted to return to was you were saying for you and your story that it was, I think, tell me where I'm wrong, that it was hard for you to come to terms with this is a bad situation for me. This is not healthy because it didn't look or sound as bad as other things you had heard or that you had in your mind. And, you know, is that something you see fairly often that an effect of being in an abusive situation is that you are minimizing the truth of how painful it is or even actively hiding it? Do you see that often as well? Absolutely. And what is not that well known is people who have experienced a lot of emotional abuse or financial, any other than physical, they really downplay what they are experiencing. But Mm -hmm. what isn't commonly known is that very often that when physical violence happens, there has already been quite a bit of other types of abuse going on even just one other type that has been going on. And the first incident when it becomes physical Mm. is very, can be fatal. There are people that have 
that was the first time it had been physical and it's uh, either near fatal or fatal. And so ignoring and downplaying by comparing your level, what you, how you've categorized the abuse that you're in is, is a dangerous trap to allow yourself to, to remain in. And mm -hmm. the education part is the awareness part is important for the people in the abuse, as well as the, the net that's there to catch them when they, when they leave it. And with the pandemic that has even further escalated so many things, including the struggles with mental health, which can contribute to abuse. If there's already been abuse, it escalates. People were now isolated with their abuser and their children were also isolated with the abuser. And it's not always the man that's the abuser. So there's, there's that sure. as well. That is uh, a, a myth mm -hmm. or a fallacy mm -hmm. that, that uh, some couples struggle with is that it's the male that's abused. Now that isn't, that isn't always known. Yes. Yes. And that leads me to, I wanted to talk more about the myths and misperceptions of an abusive marriage that's leading to divorce. You know, what are some of the, the most frequent things that you encounter in your work that you encountered in your own personal life? What are some things, if you could write sort of a public service announcement for, here's what I wish everyone would understand about the transition out of these relationships, what would you like to share from your experience? I heard from a very well-educated person just recently about the education around our personalities. And it's, it's a, it's a service that she offers to help people understand. And in general, men have confidence and that is what we see and women have competence so these mm. seem to be our stronger um, personality traits in general and so what women have lost touch with is is the competence is understanding how much competence they have even though they don't always demonstrate it with the confidence that men appear to to bring to a situation it's, it's finding that again. I think that is the strength that will help propel them. I'm competent. I can stand on my own. I can, I can be a single parent. I can look after my finances. I can figure out where to live. I can help. I can manage a home on my own. Mm -hmm. I, I think to connect again and just realize the confident competence and have confidence in that is, is going to be so powerful to help them navigate this really difficult transition and with that competence they then communicate that to the people around them their children will feel mm -hmm. less shaken by the situation to some degree because they feel that it's going to be okay mom yes. is competent she she's exuding that and she's demonstrating that and it doesn't have to be all of the time but mm -hmm. But just to start practicing that, and especially where abuse has been involved, it takes a lot of internal exploring to get in touch with that again and understand that that's still there, even though you feel crushed. And there's a lot of guilt and disappointment that a, a relationship hasn't worked out. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that to deal with, but to, to work through that transition means some of that has to be let go. The vision needs to be reimagined and allow for that. It's okay. It's okay. And you know, you're not alone. I think you hit on two beautiful things there. One, I just have a feeling that there's going to be someone listening to this who will be hearing what you're saying around just because you don't feel strong or competent doesn't mean that's not true about you. It doesn't mean you don't have those inner resources, those inner reserves. The challenge is not to give you competence or give you strength. It's to access the competence and the strength that you do have. And that has been obscured, if I'm hearing you correctly, by the abuse, by the situation that you are in. And then that second piece about reimagining your life, you know, I imagine it would feel that you had, you had lost the dream. You'd lost the vision for your life if a primary relationship ends. And so the challenge being, okay, how do I revision? How do I reimagine? Um, with that in mind, I would love, could you share why Divorce Magazine, you know, as the owner, as the one who holds the vision for that publication, why is that magazine important in this process? Well, I just want to add one little point. Trust. Trust. Mm -hmm. I think that it's important that we, coming out of those situations, also learn to trust ourselves because we're going, man, I made a mad choice. Mm -hmm. I, I did, I'm a failure. I didn't make this work. So we, we need to trust the process, trust the people that are there to support us and trust ourselves again, that we are very capable of making good decisions in the future. And I really had to make a step of faith and trust my instincts when the opportunity came along to get into divorce magazine, Canada, Mm -hmm. um, I met this fabulous lady who is just a force and her name is Dorothy Briggs and she has three magazines that she had developed and they are incredible. They're platinum award-winning, international award-winning magazines. And she was looking for someone who would be interested in taking on the Divorce Magazine Canada, which is one of her creations. And she had been publishing that particular one for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And the 11th edition, she had well in the works and I expressed interest and she trusted me with that baby and said, you know what, if you want, you just run with it. And I will be here to, to, you know, cheer you on and mentor you through this. So it was just the most beautiful opportunity to have a tool to work with that gives me an opportunity to not only build awareness around divorce and abuse and have that stage that that platform to to really expand that but now there's all this awareness that I can help build and then what so the resources then that are taking part in the magazine and the support groups, the symposium, the blog, the podcast, all of all of what I've was there and that I've tweaked or revamped or created since, those resources have the same heart and and caring 
mindset to support everyone through whatever they're dealing with and realize they're not alone. And I just can't believe it's a resounding echo. I hear over and over as I connect with these people and interview them, whatever our conversation is, they keep saying, I, I just want people to know they aren't alone, that yes. there, there is guidance, there is support, there is care. And it just feels like a great big community hug going out to anybody struggling at whatever stage. And sometimes it's contemplation. Sometimes they've mm -hmm. been out for years and they're just still dealing and healing from the process or from their experience. And mm -hmm. I am just thrilled to be a part of that and to have this to offer because I'm not an expert in many of the fields of the people that I interview, but I'm able to share what they have to offer with the audience that is looking for that kind of support. So it's just, it's just such a gift and I'm so appreciative. Something I've enjoyed about watching Divorce Magazine, the podcast, as you said, all the different arms of it is that you really are taking an approach of, we're going to support you on every level through this. So here's the practical sport, financial, legal, custody, you know, all of these practical pieces. And then here's the emotional, here's the community support. Here's the connection. Here's the live event you can attend. Here's the support group. I just appreciate that you're not stopping at one avenue of support because as, as you experienced the reality, I, I imagine is that we need support on every level through this. Um, is that accurate? Is that aligned That's with the vision? That's very accurate. And it aligns so well. The other thing that had me jumping at the chance was that all of these resources are free to the public. The mm -hmm. only thing that there's a cost is a, a very reasonable ticket to an online symposium, which is a full day of hearing all the experts. And otherwise, the magazine, everything else is supported by these caring professionals. And they're the ones that are making this possible to offer to the public at no cost to them. So there's no barriers to, to accessing this information and getting this kind of support. And I think that's, that was really one of the mm -hmm. most intriguing parts of it that I liked was the way that Dorothy had structured it. And uh, I can just carry that on and, and offer that to people. Beautiful. Well, I'm curious too, what are some of your favorite stories of either people that you have met through this work or people for whom this divorce magazine or one of its many offshoots has had an impact on their life? I mean, you know, as of course, as a business owner, you're looking at certain metrics, you're looking at reach, you're looking at all of this, but I'm curious about the human side of how have you seen the impact in people's lives? That's interesting. I have had people contact me through the website and ask for assistance and support. They've contacted me through the meetup groups and mm -hmm. asked for leads and assistance. They're stuck in a, in a spot and not sure of which professional or who's out there. And it, it, it just gives me such a, a warm feeling 
I can't say great pleasure because I hate to see people in those spots, mm-hmm. but a warm feeling that I, I have something to offer them. I have a yes. answer. I can say, oh, well, these are some people that might be able to help. Or I've heard where they've found resources through the website or through the podcast, and they're just so grateful to learn that there's actually somebody who can help them with this particular thing. Uh, I think the other stories that are so exciting for me, more that's coming are some little bite-sized mini episodes that are going to offer people incredible tools, whether it's about communication, finance, whatever. I've got some experts that are, we've already started planning these and they're going to be a little little bite-sized pieces where, you know, you're just doing your makeup in the morning, you're driving to work or having a quick coffee or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, waiting to pick up the kids at school. And you can listen to a tool that will help you. And, you know, people need that. Their headspace is so scrambled going through these situations that Mm -hmm. it's too much to take on. And they just love hearing, you know, here's a little tool and the blog already um, a lot of feed good feedback there I have a the latest blog post had been from someone sharing their story of abuse and how that's resonating with people to you know to understand the bravery it took and the vulnerability it took for someone to do that because they care and they don't want anyone to feel alone and some of the connections that have happened so recently one of the uh, mortgage brokers that was on the show connected me with another lady who works with horses and helps people and she's been on the show now and I now attended one of her events and was able to work with the women that happened to be attending that day and with the horses and it was just phenomenal to witness what was happening with that healing and this particular workshop was uh, in the wake of divorce and it was specific to people dealing with divorce and you know it's interesting how so many are also dealing with abuse and that might not be the first topic that comes up but inevitably it opens those conversations to create that safe space where people can share and I think that's what's the the human story that Mm -hmm. is coming out is that through this, uh, it has opened those. And and I've been in networking, business networking meetings, first time being there and a, a total stranger. And I hadn't even talked about Divorce Magazine, but I had a copy laying in front of me. And I've had people come up and express concern about someone very close to them who is in a dangerous situation. It's a, at a point where they're isolated and they don't know how to help them. And because I'm in this field now, I w- didn't feel helpless. And mm-hmm. I could say, okay, I know here, I can connect you and you can try and help. You know, people will receive that help when they are ready, but mm-hmm. at least you'll feel less helpless. You will feel like you have offered them some type of resource that then they can reach out to and so to me what a relief to have these resources that now i i can offer to those who need it so that is really the human side of what i'm doing 
I really, uh, I kind of go, oh yeah, it's a business, <laughs> but it's because it's so beautifully supported by those who care. And, and that is what makes the difference. I'm really glad you highlighted not only what's available to people going through this, but also to their loved ones and to those who want to be supportive, but don't always know exactly how there's education here. There is, you know, support for those who are doing the supporting. It's such a beautiful web of connections. And you also highlighted something that I would love to ask you more about, which is your speaking. You mentioned speaking at the equine assisted therapy event. Um, you know, what do you love to speak about? What kind of presentations do you love to do? Um, I, if I'm understanding correctly, you can speak very well to women who are going through divorce, have been through an abusive relationship. Um, but what do you love to speak about? I'm pretty versatile. I've actually spoke at, at different types of events. So women's empowerment is where my heart lies, but really at the bottom of that is uh, specific to abuse. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. the empowerment part means I don't want people to give up. I don't want them to feel alone. I want them to know I see you and I understand and this is why. And that's why I think it's important to help bring out the voices of the abuse because to I want I want to empower people. I don't want us to get, we're not going to ignore the abuse. So that's part of my talks. That's part of the relating because again, it opens that conversation and that invitation that if there's somebody who's looking for a safe space to explore what they're experiencing or have experienced, that I'm I'm someone who's willing to have that conversation. So I do work it into when when I speak, I do very frequently. I don't have to if if people if the audience, the hosts feel that the audience could be triggered by that, I can I can adjust how that's presented. Mm -hmm. But I really want to not ignore it, but let's let's use that as a springboard, whether it's the divorce or there was abuse. Now where? Now what's going? Let's get back in touch with who you were and what you sacrificed and what you maybe feel is gone or that you've lost. And let's, let's get a hold of that. And let's use that to propel yourself forward and create and manifest with a mindset of abundance of what is possible that, you know, what are you competent and where's that spirit that you had when you were younger? How can we mm -hmm. incorporate that into, into creating a life and a vision that, could be very different from where you thought it would go or where you're sitting at this present time but let's get excited about where you where you can go don't give up and it doesn't matter how old how rich how educated how fat thin whatever mm -hmm. let's let's go there and and that is really where a lot of my writing I've published books uh, my blog and my speaking is aiming to take people so as an empowerment coach I love to do that most from the stage and have an audience that can interact with me, with each other and, and with themselves internally. And so that's some of the exercises I will sometimes take people through if it's going mm. to be that type of a presentation where it can be interactive. Beautifully said too. And I think this could also be a good moment for our listeners just to spotlight the difference between traditional therapy, which is more focused on, okay, we're working with 
uh, mental health condition like major depression or you know clinical anxiety versus what Dean is talking about here is when you are at a, a baseline level of functioning and you are looking for you know what what is the life I want to create from here you know it's not just about you know I am I've had I've had this really hard experience but what now I like that you asked that question of what's next for me what 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 is the story that I'm creating from here on out and that I think you do so beautifully because not only are you passionate about it but you've lived it right so would you share just a snippet of since your experience you've gone through abuse you've gone through a divorce what is the life that you have made for yourself now would you tell us a little bit about how much has changed for you since that 30-year marriage ended it has been a roller coaster let me tell you uh i think the most significant thing was trusting myself because i was at a point even before the marriage ended that i had friends who were just so excited to be free of whatever they'd lived in and and they were just excited as well about the next relationships and looking forward to that and i just cringe thinking that will never ever happen ever i am that is so it's locked up duct tape barbed wire <laughs> welded behind a firewall and there's yes. uh you know there's flamethrowers in front like <laughs> that part of my life is never going no way i'm quite satisfied with my own company i'm happy with you know just existing it without any significant other and I was adamant about that and was felt that way for years. And that was even, that was near the end of the marriage and knowing that, you know, maybe I was starting to contemplate, maybe going to get out. And then when it really happened, I still had no, no interest. And eventually I did enter into that realm again and was shocked that my friend said welcome back to the land of the living mm. and that just really hit me because I realized yeah that was just one area that I was not in the land of the living I had so shielded thinking oh I'll be so much safer if I keep up this great big brick wall around me mm. and not trust anyone including myself and as, as life started chipping away at that, and I realized that not everybody was going to treat me the way I had become accustomed to be treated, that I could start to allow for others to be part of my life in whatever way, whether, you know, friendships or dating or that type of thing. It, it just really brought color back to my world and brought joy to my heart and was very instrumental in allowing myself to create a new vision and think, okay, well, maybe there's more I can do here. There were some extremely significant things that happened. I was in uh, a, I was in a job and that I just assumed was going to continue and expand, which is what I'd been led to believe. And then I experienced a very serious 
motorcycle accident where I was mm-hmm. injured and significantly and in hospital for two weeks and then found out the day I got out of the hospital that my position at my job had been eliminated completely out of the blue. Mm-hmm. So I just really suddenly felt adrift. I wasn't employable at the time. Both hands were in splints, for example. My one uh, foot, my ankle was fractured as well. And I was going to be looking at future surgeries and just really lost it, you know, and in the same sense, felt some freedom. Okay, now, now what? Now what's the next thing? And I am ever the optimist, which can be to my detriment. So I had really started experimenting with more risky things. I had never been terribly risk averse, but then through your maternal years, you realize that you have other roles to fill. So I found that that's what I was trying to figure out. I'd come from a very strict childhood, right into an abusive marriage. That was mm-hmm. the that was my entire life to that point. I was 50. And mm-hmm. that is all I'd experienced. So now to try and figure out, well, who the hell am I? What do I want? And I'm different now mm-hmm. than I was 30 years prior. So just realizing that the tricky thing was that it, it impacted some of my very important relationships, including with my daughter. And she was married, expecting her first child at the time. Maternal hormones were rampant. Those roles were getting a little gray and and trying to switch because I was being risky. She was being maternal. So mm-hmm. who needed the parenting at that point? You know, she seemed to want to step in and do that. Not to her fault. I was, you know, in all appearances, <laughs> looked like that's what I was going to need. So in her maturity, she requested something I didn't even realize existed. And I'm learning this now with the magazine of all the things that are out there that can help you and support you. But she requested that we together see a mediator. Mm-hmm. So I really encourage people to consider that in any relationship. It's not just for breakdown of marriage. Mm-hmm. Her and I had had a close relationship and that relationship was breaking down because of the divorce, because of my exploring, trying to figure out what now and I am don't answer to anybody I can I can just choose what I want to do that was pivotal in not only me seeing the mediator translate to her what it is where I was and why I was doing what I was doing but to give her the permission to just allow me to do so and that was huge so there's an example of some services that can really save, you know, dealing with that elephant in the room or whatever it might be. And what I took then after the accident was, you know, I moved, I tried creating some different avenues of income that were really fun, really creative. I very much enjoyed what I was doing. And, and naturally, then that led to learning more skills, networking and meeting more people. And I can, when I look back, I see that path lining up for me, but I needed to trust myself. I needed to trust the universe was lining things up or God source, higher power, whatever people want to call it. Mm. I was in the right place at the right time. It didn't always feel like the right place, but those things were all lining up in a path that has led me to where I am today. And I'm happy to say that um, I am in a fantastic relationship you know, over four and a half years now with somebody that I no longer think, oh, 
um, I'm going to trigger them, you know, or there's a situation that's going to happen and it's going to, this is not going to go well. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have to be worried about that. I'm safe. I I'm safe to express mm-hmm. myself, uh, to create what I want to do and be, and I'm supported. And what was really ironic, I think one of the other major things I did was change my name. And I knew I was no longer my maiden name that didn't fit right. There were many factors involved around that. And I actually blog and have written and published about that. Uh, My daughter actually suggested a change because just there were some negative things around that her, she said, fortunately, you know, I was able to change mine because she was married and Mm. she suggested a family name. And so my last name is actually was my grandmother's maiden name and somebody that I highly admired. So I changed my name and very shortly after, within a week, I think of that becoming official is when I met my new partner. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Mm. It's like I, I took on this new identity. I, in a way, I express it better in my written article about it. But I, I just think now there's so many people who only know me by that name. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a, an interesting sense of reinvention that I really encourage people to consider. You know, maybe you don't go that far, but just even play with it and think about what you might want to do. So my first name is still the same. And uh, I, so there's many, many things that have lined up. And I think it's important that people trust that what crosses your path might not seem obvious. The analogy I love the most about those types of things is if you're watching a movie and you see the plot unwinding, you see those characters, you're like, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, come on, just to say yes, just look what's, we can see what's waiting for them or we understand the bigger picture. And mm-hmm. I just want people to allow themselves to be in that character and just allow follow your instincts, listen very closely and let things fold, uh, unfold the way that, uh, that they show up. It's not always what you expect or the time you expect it. Well, Dina, I am so struck by, you have this wonderful combination of there's so much kindness and compassion and gentleness for people going through hard times. And at the same time, there is so much daring and bravery and I'm going to change my name. I'm going to go explore and find out who I am at 50. I'm going to fall in love again. I'm going to become the owner of a magazine. Like I just look at the path you have taken. And if this were a movie, I would be saying, you go girl, like (laughs) keep up the great work. So if people are resonating with what you're sharing and if they have an audience of people who need this beautiful combination of support and challenge, where should they reach out to you? I know you love doing workshops and keynote speeches. Where should people reach out to you about speaking? I would be thrilled to hear from anyone and be involved in their events, uh, you know, whether it's a retreat or whatever. So they can best get a hold of me through the contact on my website. I have two websites. So I have the You Glow Girl website, and then I also have the Divorce Magazine Canada website. And both of those contacts come directly to my email. I am the one that will read it. I'm the one that will respond. 
And that is the best way. I'm also very active on Instagram and all that. We'll put all that information in the show notes so that it's just a click away and people can get a hold of me. And I just, I'd be thrilled to, to speak to your audience and collaborate as well. I'm looking for guests for my podcast and my blog and my resource groups. So I really encourage people to get involved, whether they're looking for support or want to network with other professionals. I think that's really important. Wonderful. Well, Dina, as always, it's delightful to get to sit with you, to hear your story. I thank you for taking the time today. Thank you, Caroline, for hosting and interviewing me on this show and and just giving me an opportunity to to get to know my audience better and and let them see who I am behind the the camera or the mic and just share that so that uh, they feel like you know I'm a real person and I I can relate then they aren't alone because many of us have been there you aren't alone folks Dina has been there Thank you so much. Thank you, Caroline. Hopefully you heard something today that helps you wherever you might be in life. Do you have questions or suggestions for a topic you want to know more about? Let me know. Check the show notes for all the contact information. Follow this podcast and find us on social. Know anyone who might find this information helpful? Be a friend and share it. And hey, thank you for hanging out with me today. Keep smiling that beautiful smile. The world needs your sunshine. It means a lot that you spend this time with us and meet our experts and professionals who can help you through divorce or separation. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, divorcemagazinecanada.com slash terms of service. The link is in the show notes. And the legal language, our disclaimer, Divorce Magazine Canada website, events, resource groups, blog, and all content, including our podcast, is intended to educate and provide quality, credible resource information. The contents should not be used as factual until consultation with the appropriate professionals for any guidance. Divorce Magazine Canada does not constitute endorsements for, nor liability, for any claims made in the presenting of this information.